0: Paul again. Um, um, good morning, church, New Life. Um, glad to be here. And I was just like, as as, as I was praying with um, Pastor Young, um, it just um, clicked on me that I was here actually exactly almost 10 years ago uh, when you guys were meeting in Rado campus. So uh, it's good to be back after 10 years, um, um, hiatus. So uh, thank you for the welcome, and it's good to be here. Um, so just to, I guess, um, as part of... Uh, um, deputation duties for the lecturers at Molling, we actually go do a lot of speaking um, responsibilities. But uh, one of the things that we like to do is to not to brag about our college, but to promote a little bit uh, about our college. So that some of you who are thinking about doing ministry, uh, part-time basis, by vocational basis, or even full-time basis like Pastor Young, uh, can think about um, those options. So um, our college is, um, is Baptist College, which is a different denomination. I know New Life is a uh, Presbyterian church, but we are all brothers and sisters in Christ, aren't we? So, um, um, uh, uh, one of the great things about Mowlin College is that um, we we do have great um, theological uh, Old Testament, New Testament programs, but we are quite um, strong in the areas of uh, mission and, and pastoral studies. So, if, if, you, if your heart is for for mission, and if your heart is uh, directed towards, um, helping people pastorally and and doing discipleship ministry, which I'm actually um, is very passionate about. Yeah, please do think about um, um, joining and maybe thinking about doing some courses at Malling. Um I, I believe one of my colleagues, David Starling, was here a few months ago. He's our one of our New Testament lecturers. So um, yeah, please do and come and speak to us if you if you are thinking about it, exploring about doing ministry, helping out new life ministry in in, in um, you know in near future. It will be good to just come and talk to us. All right. Um, and one of the things that I uh, I like to um, um, share and teach at morning is uh, this area of um, ministry called discipleship. And I believe um, one of our um, one of our one of the pastors here at session, uh, Charlie uh, uh, from um, uh, high school ministry uh, he actually was in my class last semester and this is this is an important area isn't it as a uh, as christians who are traveling together who are um journeying together in this spiritual journey um you know what you know it's the the very last thing as we know the very last sort of commission that jesus gave us uh is to make disciples of all nations matthew 28 19 it is the very last and the great commandment, the very great commission, isn't it? So it is, it is something that we all have to think about. How do we make disciples? And first of all, how do we actually follow Jesus as disciples? And this seems to be um, the, the phenomenon right now across the churches globally. look at um, a lot of mega churches whether they're in the states or in in south korea a lot of mega churches actually feeling the pinch that we they've been they've been doing ministry and they've been doing um, the church programs in a very shallow and in a a shallow and wide um, way so it's um, a lot of churches are confessing that we've been we've been doing shallow and wide ministry meaning that uh, we've been making a lot of believers, and we've been doing a lot of evangelism. But when it comes to making disciples, uh, we've sucked at it for the last few decades. And you—you'll be surprised to find a lot of churches who actually confess that. And now they are turning to: How do we do discipleship ministry better? How can we make disciples? So this is. Um, this is one thing that I, I'm, I'm very excited about these days because if you go to bookstores, Christian bookstores, bookstores like Kurong, there's so many books on discipleship. And many of my colleagues in Moling and other places, other colleges like Christ College and SMBC, they are saying, look, this is like a discipleship renaissance, which is very exciting. So many people are realizing this is what we need. So, um, and I was very excited to actually um, have met. Uh, Pastor Yang uh, a few months ago, and and, um, it's it's even more exciting to see that uh, Pastor Yang was actually um, have studied in this uh, uh, seminary, theological college called Torch Trinity, uh, which is the college that I uh, I used to teach as an adjunct professor when I was in Korea. And if you go to Torch Trinity in Korea, it's it's located in in Gangnam area, which is like Beverly Hills of, of Seoul. And, um, and, and and as you know, the, you know the famous song that that we all know now. So it's, you know, um, Gangnam is located in southern part of Seoul, and it's a um, it's a college where the campus is being co-shared by another church, mega church called Unri Church. So uh, um, I was there for about five years teaching there, and I was quite intrigued by. The college and also by the by the church because only church is well known for doing a lot of cultural a um, lot of media ministry and they do a lot of creative stuff but one of the things that really uh, caught my attention uh, when I was passing by the church building uh, one day and they had this huge banner and they had a bulletin and uh, like brochure that introduced their the sort of the ministry philosophy of the church and, and it was just two simple sentences that really um, captivated my attention. And um, if you don't mind, could you just repeat these sentences after me, please? Be nurtured. Or, be, or, or nurture others. And there's another one. Okay, repeat after me, please. Be discipled. Or disciple others. Uh, I think this is a great maxim, great mandate, isn't it? Um, as a members of the church just two things that were really reinforcing. So if you are part of only church membership, yeah, be nurtured. Or if you don't want to be nurtured, then nurture others. Be discipled. If you don't want to be discipled, then then disciple others. Simple as that. And I thought "This this is great ministry philosophy. If all the churches in the world If all the body of Christ, all the church communities in the world actually can do this, if they can have everyone, um, just people of Christ, come together every Sunday, and even during the weekdays, if they can be discipled, and if they can be spiritually nurtured in in one or the other ways, and if others can continue and exit and and put put an invested effort in discipling and nurturing others, wouldn't that make churches healthier? Wouldn't that bring revival to churches? So, so, so on that note, I like to share um, a bit of my, uh, I guess, key principles that Colossians chapter three gives us uh, in light of discipleship ministry. Yes, we are, I think we are now on the same page that yes, we need to do discipleship ministry because Jesus gave us that last commandment to go and make disciples to all nations and to all tribes. So how can we do that? I think Colossians chapter three uh, gives us good context and good message based on that. All right, so where was this this city called Colossi, which um, uh, was the place of the church that Apostle Paul wrote letter to? So it's a, um, Colossi is somewhere in the western Highland regions of modern-day Turkey, right now. So it is a city. It was a prominent city in, in Roman colony uh, in uh, somewhere in Asia Minor, in Europe. And and we don't have to do a lot of digging and a lot of we don't have to do go through a lot of commentaries and Bible dictionaries to find out the kind of issues that the church went through. Because if you actually go read through the whole book of Colossians, it's a short book, it'll probably take you 15-16 minutes to read the whole letter, but if you read through, you'll realize that the church had a lot of issues with false teachers and heresies. So you look at the chapters like chapter 2, uh, um, chapter, f- uh, chapter 2 actually gives you that context, uh, verses 4, 8 and 18. And you're gonna you're gonna actually see a lot of uh, uh, issues that is being raised by Apostle Paul regarding circumcision, chapter two eleven, uh, and, wrong, and wrongly and perhaps over keeping those festivals, so um, keeping these different times and different sort of rituals uh, and these festivals, and and also um, um, issues related to religious rituals and worshiping of angels in verse 18, and other perilous regulations and myths in verses 20 to 21. And it is a lot like what we are going through as modern-day church. Um, We we tend to, we we don't have similar, uh, we don't have, we maybe have different issues, but the core essence I think is the same. We tend to focus on traditions, other regulations, and we lose out on the essence of the things. You know, um, we, we need to focus on the gospel message. We need to see um, that, that, that the, all we need is, is following Christ and believing that Jesus died for us on the cross and that he has risen from the dead after three days. And that, that is the gospel message. But we like to add things on, don't we? We got to do those extra things. We gotta, we gotta do some, some other. Um, we gotta do certain kind of ministry. We gotta give certain amount of money. We gotta go to certain missions or whatnot. So, so we we tend to add things on, to, to become, um, um, you know, to, to be qualified. But in fact, um, we we need to focus on the essence, the fundamentals, and and losing the essentials and. And not focusing on the fundamentals can be a, a trap that we, we could fall into. And, and in that context, Apostle Paul is addressing, look, we got um, you need to focus on the essentials, the fundamentals. And that is part of becoming the true followers of Jesus Christ. So, so let's just unpack a couple of things from Colossians 3 on, on, on that context. And let's look how we can actually do discipleship ministry, how we can actually be disciples of Jesus uh, through looking at um, you know, Colossians chapter three uh, from verses nine to 15, okay. So the first principle that I like to share with you is, um, is this passage. So um, we don't have PowerPoints today, but I, I thought it would be really good to go back to um, the, um, the old ways and flipping the Bible. I love to hear uh, the, the Bible flipping sounds. But if you don't have the um, the, the hard copies of the Bible with you, it will be good to sort of use your phones, um, go to your Bible apps. Um, and you can, uh, with that, you can just use your finger swiping and, and go to those passages there. So let's go to um, Colossians 3, uh, verses 9 to 10. I know you are using CSB versions, so um, I will just read um, the CSB version of, of those passages for you. So let's go to Colossians chapter 3, verses 9 to 10. All right, I'll just read these verses for you. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self. You are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your Creator. Amen. All right. So... If you look at these two verses, uh, there's two verbs that appear there. The first one is we need to put off the old self. So putting off the old self and the second verb is putting on the new self. So it's putting on putting off and putting on. Now um, if you go to the original Greek, uh, these two verbs uh, is actually um, um, uh, in Greek. It, it is called apec dousamenoi," and putting on is called "and So it's really the same verb um, that is predicated by the verb dusamenoi. Now, "dousamenoi" it basically means, you know, um, putting on and putting off new, uh, the clothing. So um, "and dusamenoi uh, I, I don't want to sort of, sort of you know, bore you with these grammar, grammars here, but it, this is quite important, so if you can just stay with me for a few seconds. Uh, Dusa is, you uh, know, it's, it's, it's in a tense called active tense, okay? So when it's active tense, it is something that you have to do. So putting off your old self and putting on Dusa your new self, it in active tense, meaning that it is done not by someone else, but it is done proactively by yourself. If you're with, with me on that point, so um, I think this is one of the big mistakes that we often make as followers of Christ. We think that um, you know, we we once we confess that Jesus is our Savior, our Master, and and and. And if we sort of you know, say that, that that magical prayer, you know, during one of those retreats or revival meetings, then we are automatically saved. Yes, that is true in a way. But when it comes to following Jesus, when it comes to enduring and, go, and, and traveling that spiritual journey as a pilgrim of Jesus, as part of Christ's community, that is something that no one can force you to do. It is something that you have to do actively, and that's what Apostle Paul is saying here. So, so upak and dosamenoi. You have to, I have to, put on and put off these clothing every day. Now, Paul is writing this um, to 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 uh, to the people in Colossians, Colossi, uh, in midst of that context, isn't he? There's a lot of false teachers who are saying, no, you got to do these extra things. There's, there's these things that you have to do in order to be saved. And Paul is saying, look, in midst of that context, in midst of all that um, you know, false teaching that's going around, make sure that you put off the old self and make sure that you put on the new clothing every single day. And this is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And the similar language you can actually find in other, other contexts in New, New Testament. So um, um, you don't have to look this up right now, but um, I'm, ju- I'll, I'm just giving you references for this. So um, books like Romans chapter 13, 14 says, Clothe yourselves with Jesus Christ. So Paul is encouraging the people in Roman church, saying that, yep, Clothe yourself with Jesus 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 5, and Apostle Peter is saying, "Clothe yourselves with humility." So, um, so this is what discipleship is about. This is what following Jesus as disciple is about: is clothing, putting off our old clothes, and putting on new clothes every single day. Not by someone else. Not by your parents, not by your spouses, but you gotta clothe yourself spiritually. Um, and this is, this is something that I, uh, I, I think we need to look this as a, uh, uh, do a bit of a cultural exegesis based on this passage because I, I think if you look around right now, um, uh, I think we are all wearing fine clothes. Uh, coming to church on Sundays, uh, you know, we, we want to, um, you know, we don't want to, um, um, we don't want to wear the clothes, sort of old, um, unwashed clothing, because we want to edify other people in the church, right? So, but um, if you look at this passage, and if you sort of turn your clock back 2,000 years ago, clothing is a was a, was a big deal uh, for the people who are living in um, in, in, in that Middle Eastern context. So the kind of clothing that you wear, it really gave you that identity. So for example, um, if, you, if you are a priest, let's say if you're a high priest or a person who are working in the temple, the kind of clothing that you, wo- you wear, uh, it signified who you are. So if you saw that person who was working in the temple as a priest, uh, even like 500 meters, miles away, you could actually recognize that person and say, oh, there's a, he, he's, a, he's a priest. He's wearing that gown. He's wearing certain color which represented the kind of time or kind of liturgical calendar uh, that they were going through. And, if, if, and let's say if you're a centurion, let's say you're a soldier or a general who actually uh, was a charge of 100 people, a centurion, then, then you, you would definitely recognize that person from miles away. By the kind of helmet that he was wearing, the kind of shield that he was holding, the kind of armor that he, he, um, he was wearing. So the clothing that you wear, the attire that you had, that's really signified your identity, spiritual identity, not spiritual, your your identity as a uh, as a person. And and you know, you know the famous story or the past um, you know, the parable of prodigal son in Luke 15? Um you know, it's amazing how that story is uh, being received by not just Christians but even many people around the world. It is known to be the most beautiful, poignant st- story ever. So if you go to Luke fifteen twenty-two, I'll just read that for you. Luke fifteen twenty-two, and this is the very verse that that the father meets the prodigal son returning, all ragged up. He's all you know, um, spent all his father's. Um, assets, and now he's he's returning, uh, all lost, all scarred up, and he's returning to his father, and this is how his father receives his son, isn't he? So uh, Luke fifteen twenty two, but the father told his servants, quick, bring out the best robe, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. So can you see the picture here? The son, the prodigal son, you know, he's probably, he's, his clothing is all probably worn out. He's been eating uh, from, uh, you know, among the pigs. So he's, he's probably, he, has, he hasn't been bathed for a for few, few weeks, few months perhaps. So what does his father, father do? The very first thing that his father um, does to his son is to actually clothe him. Clothed him up. Look, put put the best robe on him, and put a, wrong, put a ring on his fi- finger, and sandals on his feet, because now prodigal son is now re- has returned, has redeemed his position, and his father is trying to reinstate him to his household. So that's right. The clothing represents who we are. And can I just ask you in your life, um, what kind of spiritual clothing are you wearing right now? What kind of clothing are you putting off every morning? And the kind of spiritual clothing are you wearing every every morning? So discipleship is, is, is really this, isn't It's is putting off the old self and putting on the new self that Christ has given us each and every day every morning um, as a uh, practical theologians uh, um, i'm not like you know people like david starling or um, other people who teach new testament old testament systematic theology uh, they are the they are so called the smart people i'm sort of more practical person i like to be more practical and more sort of um, down to earth and and um, one of the reasons that i love practical theology is that because um, i love church And I like to see the churches in Sydney, or not just in Sydney, but the churches in Australia, churches, the Korean churches, but even non-Korean churches, Australian churches to grow and thrive. And and one of the things, one of the phenomena that's been really um, saddening my heart for the last couple of decades, two decades, uh, uh, is is the issue of the second generation. I've been talking a lot uh, uh, when I first came back to Australia about four years ago, uh, one of the first things that I did was to say hi to um, all the all the pastors, uh, the Korean pastors in Sydney, including your, uh, the senior pastor of the KM, so, um, Pastor Song, and other sort of key pastors in Sydney, and they've been reporting back to me. They've been just saying to me, um, you know, um, Dr. Paul, um, one of the key problems that we are seeing is that a lot of our next generation, uh, a lot of second generations are leaving church, they don't stick around. I don't think that is the case uh, when, I, when I just look at um, um, you know, your community right here. Uh, there's so many of you uh, who are coming to church every Sunday. But um, yeah, that, that seems to be the case uh, with other churches in Sydney. And I always tell the pastors, look, look, Pastor Song or Pastor whoever, um, this is the phenomenon right now, not just in Australia, but in the United States as well, and even more so in Korea. And I had a colleague when I was studying in Charlotte, um in, in the States. Uh, he was doing a research on, on this very topic. Why do young people, why do people who are in say age between 16 to 25, why do they leave church? The statistics reveal that, that 75%, which is, which is basically um, 8 out of 10 people, after when they graduate high school, they leave church, they leave faith. So um, he did this extensive study by interviewing the people who've left the church, uh, by doing surveys with hundreds of people, not just Korean Americans, but Vietnamese, Chinese Americans who've left the church. Why, why, what is the main cause of you leaving church? And he actually gathered up about 10 or 15 factors, elements that have contributed to them, deserting Christian faith. There was key factors like generational gap, cultural gap, but do you know what the number one factor was? The number one element that have caused people to leave church or leave Christian faith. It was quite astounding. The, num- the, 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 the most number of responses that they've got for that research was that because they were all saying, I could not see the, the, the evidence of faith among the old generations. So meaning that I could not see the relationship between faith and life, faith and work, faith and family life from my parents or from our Christian leaders and pastors. That was quite shocking. So I'd like to ask you that question. If if we all get to put off the old self every day and if we all get to wear the new self every day and reflecting Christ's glory and beauty through the way we talk, through the way we relate, through the way how you know how we relate with others, if that demonstrates our faith, then there's consistency of our faith in our life isn't it? But it's been the f- phenomena for the last two decades, at least in the US, that many, many young people, many younger generations have left church because they didn't see consistency, they, they didn't see connections. So can I, I'm sure that is not the case with new life, but can I, can I challenge you with this? As, as you continue to meet on Sundays, and as you continue to pray, read the scripture, And think about, and and, and as you relate to other people in your small groups during the week, let's think about how how can I put off our old self and put on the new self so that my life reflects the life of Christ every single day. So if you have children, and if you have family members who are living with you, and if you have workmates, work colleagues in your work, I hope and pray that they get to see the consistency. They get to see the reflection of Christ through your life and through your word and through your actions. Amen? All right. Secondly, I think this, this clothing metaphor is quite powerful. Because it, it gives us, or it reflects uh, a power of repetition. Okay? So... Clothing is something that we actually repeatedly, um, you know, um, wear every day, don't we? So when we go home tonight, you'll probably change your clothing and wear pajamas before you go to sleep. Next morning, when you go to workplaces, if you're a a gardener, uh, you'll wear uh, clothing that is suitable for gardening. If you're a plumber, yeah, and then you'll be wearing a, a clothing that is suitable and quite comfortable for doing plumbing work. And if you're a teacher, and you get the gist of what I'm saying, right? So you are repeatedly wearing something that is suitable for what you do for that particular day. So it, it is a repeat, re, repetition. And discipleship is repetition. So it is something that, that you don't just do on Sundays. Discipleship is something that you don't just do on a uh, particular sort of Bible study groups or small group meetings. It is something that you do every day, repeatedly. So um, um, before um, teaching at um, Bible College, I used to do full-time ministry like Pastor Young for for about 18 years, uh, both in Korea, Australia and US. And I've had a lot of my disciples actually, um, uh, just wonderful disciples. They uh, had a great time, amazing time doing missions together, doing a lot of ministry together. And there was a lot of, uh, sort of. I remember sort of few um, prominent brothers and sisters who used to come and ask me, oh, Pastor Paul, um, how how can I pray better so that I can grow spiritually? So, Pastor Paul, how can I read the Bible? How can I do ministry so that I can grow spiritually in, in deeper way? Yeah, uh, it's 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 hard it's, it's hard to see that spiritual growth happening, and and there's a lot of um. That's been a very common question that I've received. You know, I don't know whether you have similar questions like that. And my response would all often be very simple. So let's just say, Sam, are you having trouble with prayer? Yes, I do, Pastor Paul. Uh, how can I pray so that I can pray better? Then my response would be, yeah, pray until you can actually pray better. <laughs> how can I read scripture, Pastor Paul? I, 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 I cannot concentrate more than five minutes. Well... Try as long. Um, try until you can actually read scripture, 20, 30 minutes, and try until you can. You know, that's all you can do. <laughs> Repetition. Try until you you do it better. Um, we th- there was Olympics in um, in Tokyo last year, and we'll probably. Uh, I went, where's the next Olympics? Is that is that happening in Paris in three years' time? So uh, whenever we, um, there's Olympics, I think as a Korean Australians, I think we have a, we we, we talk a big deal about it because um, there there's a particular event or particular uh um, sport event that, that we actually have quite great confidence in, and you, uh, and there's a one event that, that we've been actually getting hitting gold medal for last eight Olympics, uh, that's 32 years. That's quite a uh, quite, uh, quite a quite a isn't it? Do you know what that event is? Do you know what that sporting game is? It's it's archery, um, so um, I, I don't think I think we uh, the Koreans now have the um, sort of the Guinness Book record for having having won eight consecutive gold medals uh, for thirty two years, and I'm not talking about um, the whole um, program, but there's one particular um, event within archery uh, sport um, games uh, that. This particular group has won eight consecutive, consecutive goals, and it's women's uh, team um, game. And they have never lost gold medal for 32 years and that's amazing. So every Olympics, uh, they get the spotlight. and it's like, it's like the dream team of Olympics. Uh, the whole world knows that next, I- next Olympics in Paris, it's going to be Korean women's team. They're going to win the archery game. And so so it's been, I remember like maybe it was uh, two or three Olympics ago, a lot of uh, uh, people around the world, um, the press came together, and they were interviewing um, the, the the manager of the uh, Korean Olympics, and they were trying to find, so, so, um, so, so what's the secret to your success, how were you able to win six, eight consecutive gold medals, how, how what is the secret, and, and, um you know, um, the manager wouldn't actually give away, uh, he would say, uh, he, I, I remember the interviewer was saying, oh, we do very, uh, we, we use scientific method in training our um, athletes, we give them special diet, And uh, but you know, the, the, the people knew, the press knew, that that's not the answer that we want to hear the, the secret to your success. What do you do extra? What is one thing that, that you actually do that other countries don't do? And this manager uh, finally gave in you know, and said, okay, this is what we actually do. This is what we actually ask our athletes to do before they go to sleep. So they actually sleep together in a big sort of dome. And, and, and they would they actually spend f- f- uh, one hour doing mind training. So each and every day before they actually go to sleep, a coach would go into, go into that room, and they would actually do a drill for about 60 minutes, which is basically telling them to close your eyes. Now you are standing in front of hundreds of people. Let's say this is a Beijing Olympics, before Beijing Olympics. So you are standing in the stadium in Beijing. Look at the sky, look at the, feel the wind. Beijing right now has a, uh, you know, and they they will go really specifics. The humidity, the wind, the the, the sound of um, the crowd, and he would say, "Okay, now, th- um, now hold your bow, pull your, um, you know, archery, and then, and then shoot. Look at the target. Where did it land?" And he would actually say that as they there close their eyes, and he, and he would and they would do that repeatedly, not physically but in their mind, for about good hundred times if they go to sleep every single day, right even before the Olympics. So it's a, uh, it's a repetition. They would actually shoot the arrow every day, but physically, but also mentally every single day. And this is the power of the repetition because they, they've done this so many times when, when the game comes, when the, when the day comes they will be so confident because it's it's ingrained in their heart and in their mind and in their soul. And that's the power of repetition, isn't it? And if you go to the Scripture, the Gospels, Jesus gives us the similar training method. And can I ask you to maybe turn to Matthew 11? Matthew 11, 29 to 30. Matthew 11, 29 to 30. Matthew 11:29 29-30 reads, Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen. And Jesus is promising us that my yoke will be light. Take up this yoke. Now, this is again—you got to look at the, the Palestinian, the Middle Eastern image or metaphor that was used back then, because if you, the farmers back then, um, would often cultivate uh, the field uh, for for um, for agricultural purpose, and they would never put a yoke on a on a cow, uh, on a um, 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 just on a one cow. The yoke, huh, maybe should have brought the PowerPoint image there. The yoke would look like a uh, sort of a W shape, where there's often, or not often, you, always, it will be two cows who will be pulling the yoke together. So you, it will be, usually, it will be mother cow and then it will be calf. So they would both pull the yoke together. So when Jesus uses the term, my yoke is light, it means that, look, when you do discipleship, when you read, when you go through this spiritual training, when you read the Bible, when you pray, when you evangelize, when you do mission, you, you will not be doing this alone. I'll be carrying that yoke with you. So that, so that you, all these skill sets, all these things that you will do, will be ingrained in you through repetition. So can I encourage you um, new life? That as you read the Bible every day, as you pray, as you get closer to God every day, you are in fact not doing that alone. Jesus has promised that I am with you. This yoke is light because I'm carrying this yoke with you. And this, and this is the beauty of discipleship, isn't it? Because discipleship is not about doing everything all alone, but it's about carrying the yoke with Jesus. And also carrying the yoke with others in our community. So can I encourage you to, yes, when you read the Bible, when you get into spiritual training, please be reminded that Jesus is carrying that yoke with you. Amen? Amen? And that, and... And Please, um, as you do spiritual, um, you know, um, journey uh, um, in in your life, please get connected with others. You are not alone. Ask Pastor Young uh, to how can how can I read the Bible together? Can you actually, you know, um, help me to get connected with others to in reading Bible together, in praying together, and planning to evangelize with others. Lastly. Let's go back to Colossians chapter 3. So Colossians chapter 3 also gives us how we can do discipleship in a uh, wider context. Let's go to verse 11. Colossians chapter 3, verse 11. Verse 11 reads, In Christ there is not Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free. But Christ is all is is all and in all. Amen. This passage is is telling us the church and the universal church eventually is not just composed with Koreans. It's not just Chinese people. It's not just Australian people, but it's it's about all tribes all nations and I think there's a strong connection with this passage and passages like Matthew 28 19 20 and Acts 1:8, which is basically another paraphrasing of Jesus last Great Commission it is about going and making disciples of all nations not just Koreans but all nations so doing discipleship is about it should The end game of discipleship should be making disciples of not just Korean people, but but, but people from all over the place. And I think we are in a great context living in this great city called Sydney. And and look, I've been to other places in the world, like places like Los Angeles where they say it is the sort of melting pot of the world. But can I, I assure you, I think Sydney is much more melted pot than Los Angeles, really. There's so many people, so many diverse ethnicity people from all over the place living in this great city that has more than 4.5 million people right now. And I see a church like New Life. I think we can do much more than just reaching out to second and third generation Koreans. But but we have this great commission, don't we? And, and going to the ends of the world, I think the ends of the world could be just... Sydney there's so many people who live in our neighborhood so many work colleagues so many of our classmates studying in our campuses who are from different nations different tribes and reaching out to them and sharing the gospel message to them and eventually making disciples so that they can make disciples to other nations and I think that is the great picture that God gave us the great blueprint that God gave us to partake in. So can I encourage everyone, and, and including myself, I just want to be reminded of, of this, the fact that putting off and putting on the new clothings every day together as a body of Christ. And I'm doing this repeatedly together so that we can reach out to the people who live in our, in our neighborhood in our workplaces and our campuses. So can I encourage you to to get into uh, making disciples and, and not just becoming the members of the church but be becoming the genuine followers of Jesus Christ by making disciples. Let's pray. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for allowing us to be reminded of the of your message through Colossians 3 wearing putting off the new old clothes and putting on the new clothes every day father help us to be reminded of the fact that that of our our new spiritual identity that you have given us uh, through your son Jesus Christ let us aspire to have discipleship ministry in our homes in our workplaces to our friends and, and please help us to be connected with the people. Uh, and you have reminded that, that discipleship is about doing, it's not about just praying alone and reading the scripture alone, but yes, but doing it in a communal way, being connected with others. So help us to get connected with the people around us in work, walking, and endeavoring in spiritual journey together. And and Father, let us complete the job that you've given us through your Son, Jesus, the very great commission. Let us reach out to not just Korean people, but to to all nations and all tribes of people who are living around us, Lord Jesus. So we thank you again for this passage and this message today. And we pray all these things in your own Son's almighty name. Amen.